Today on Background Check, we interview the CEO of Pioneer Human Services in Seattle, Washington. Since the 1960s, they have been dedicated to giving second chances to a lot of people. Today, they have a housing program, treatment program, and an industry arm that has construction, food catering, and manufacturing companies. Pioneer serves over 10,000 people a year through its diversion, treatment, housing, and job training programs. Come on, let's do a background check on Karen Lee and Pioneer Human Services. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is is background check you already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down now you can bet i won't live in regret it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check hey everyone welcome to background check podcast i'm your host jay dan gum and of course background check is brought to you by forgiven felons helping people with the past realize their future. If you want to know more about Forgiven Felons and what we do, check out the website and please visit the current plans page to see the project that we are working on right now and raising funds for. Also, if you have a building that we can use, please let us know because we're looking for either a space to build on or a building we can remodel. Uh, We need office and warehouse space. So all right, well, we have a couple announcements to make. If you haven't, number one, if you haven't seen the documentary yet, you should. Uh, we have a promoter that goes around and promotes it, and there's an um, there's a media outlet called Inspiration TV, and they're all overseas, but they have renewed our contract to show the documentary. So our documentary is being shown worldwide. It's pretty amazing, the impact that it's having, but it's also available here to you on Roku TV and Tubi TV. And those are free, of course, but it's about to be available on YouTube as well on the Christian movie channel. So uh, the Christian movie channel doesn't just show any any Christian movies. It, it takes a lot to get on there, and so we're, we're excited about that. Another big announcement regarding the podcast and the documentary is that we are about to go into literally hundreds of prisons and jails across the nation. Now, you know, I already go in, in Texas and other states that I've been invited to, to share my story and talk about forgiven felons. But one of the largest companies that's responsible for the content on tablets in prisons and jails will be airing the documentary and the podcast. So it's going to be available to like some 350,000 inmates across America. So we are excited about that. So if you're listening to this from a jail or prison, thank you for taking the time. Spread the word. Tell, let everybody know about this podcast and the documentary that will be available. But somehow, man, write the show, man. Write us, write us um, and let us know how the show has impacted you. And you can write us at, at Forgiven Felons, P.O. Box 4283, Cedar Hill, Texas 75106. That is our ministry mailing address. Let us know um, what you think of the show. 
All right. And then um, you guys out here, let's be praying for everyone who's going to hear the podcast and watch the documentary that God will speak to them in a way through this media in a way that they've never heard him before. And maybe when some of these awesome people get out, um, we can have them on the show and, and they can tell their story. How awesome would that be? All right. So background check, what is it? Why do we do it? Our motto is your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. We're starting to put that on the back of our shirts. We believe you should be able to leverage what your bad past stole from you and use it to take back even more for your future. How do we do that? Well, we help to, uh, we, by helping to share how people have risen above their past and their backgrounds to become successful, productive citizens. We'll share inspiration, motivation, but we also like to share information. So we have lawyers, judges, recovery center directors, licensed counselors, and more who share how they help people with backgrounds navigate life after addiction or incarceration, which brings us to today's guest, Karen Lee. She's the CEO of Pioneer Human Services. Uh, she leads one of the nation's largest nonprofit social enterprise organizations in the United States. Uh, under Karen's leadership, Pioneer has successfully operates several revenue generating businesses that provide living wage to uh, living wage jobs to mission related employees and help fund its mission of empowering people who have been involved in the legal system to build healthy, productive lives. That's a long sentence. Their headquarters are in Seattle. Um, Pioneer has, they serve over 10,000 people a year through its diversion, treatment, housing, and job training programs. Karen's also a graduate of the University of Washington School of Law and the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. So sit back and enjoy the show. Here's our interview with Karen Lee. Karen, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. You know, we've interviewed a lot of people on Background Check Podcast. We've been, we launched last uh, last May, so we're almost a year. We got about 50 episodes in already, and we've been able to interview so many great people. We've had state representatives, we've had CEOs, we've had reality TV show stars, we've had, and all these people either have had backgrounds or help people with backgrounds navigate life after their background. And, uh, and that's what we do a background check podcast. You know, it's background check is such a negative connotation that is attached with it. Everybody's scared. You know, you got the job pending the background check. You got this, you you know, I can't work in the nursery at my church because of my, uh, they do a background check and they see that I have a felony. Um, The background check can be so negative. It almost kept me and my wife from living in an apartment complex when we first got married. Mm-hmm. And I just want to turn background, the, the the phrase, the term background check into something a little more positive. And that's what we do. Most of the stories on the show are me interviewing people that have messed up in life royally and have gone on to rise above their background. Mm-hmm. And and we've had some other people on the show that, that come on and talk about how they are helping people with backgrounds mm-hmm. rise, rise above their past and not let their past define who they are in the present mm-hmm. and the future. And so, so that's why you're here. You're here because you are the director of, uh, or I don't even know what your CEO, I don't know what they call you, but tell us, tell my listening audience who you are and what you do. Hi, listening audience. My name is Karen Lee and I am the CEO of Pioneer Human Services. 
And we do a lot of the same work that Forgiven Felons does, but we are located in Seattle, Washington, in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And I think that the Northwest has this reputation of being a great hiking place. You know, everybody is nice in Seattle and that Puget Sound and, and, you know, the scenery and all those things are true. It is a lovely place to live. But on the other hand, we have the, you know, we have an underbelly of what I consider not treating people right. And, and so what we want to do at Pioneer is just really change that. And, and we focus on people that have made mistakes in their past. I don't think that we try to shy away from that at all. We acknowledge that people have made mistakes and, um, and we're all about the future for the clients that we serve. And we try to help integrate our clients into society where some of them may never have felt like that they were able to integrate at all right? because of, you know, how they grew up or where they were from or how they were treated in school or, you know, uh, anything like that. So, so, so Pioneer is an interesting company because uh, we're a social enterprise. So if I could, I'll take a little bit of time to explain what yes, that means. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So a social enterprise is an organization, it, is, it has a broad definition, but you can think of it as a company that takes a business approach to support a nonprofit or public mission. And that's Pioneer. Our mission is to uh, help transform the communities that we live in, reduce mass incarceration and its impact on people, particularly people of color, but all people, and then to help the people that we serve have a healthy and productive life. And we want to help them by serving them with honor and dignity. And, um, yeah. and, and so that's just what the mission of our company is about. And we are not a perfect company by any means, but our mission is all about helping society improve by helping people yeah. be their best selves, regardless. How long, is, uh, how long has Pioneer Human Services been around? We were born in 1963. Wow, that long! Yes, 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 yes. Now, how so, did it start? I, I, you, you, if you, if you go to Pioneer's website right now, PioneerHumanServices.org, you right dot org, mm-hmm. you will see all. I mean, the their all their social enterprise efforts, all their everything, treatment, housing, everything. Yep. But what did it start as? It started. So today is April 22nd. That's the day we're taping this segment, and it is. And we're in the Pacific Northwest, so it's a little bit after 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'm saying all that because I just came from a meeting with one of our founders. Oh, wow. And he is 89 years old. And um, he is such a supporter. His name is Ralph Bruxis. And he, we were talking about AA and how he could get AA in one of our apartment buildings. I mean, so he is still wow. doing the work, wow. even though after he's 89 today, yeah. after all these years. So we started with our founder uh, was an attorney named Jack Dalton, and he uh, struggled with alcohol. He suffered from alcoholism, drank up his, uh, his client funds. And that is a crime. And, yeah. and, and yeah. I think that it should be a crime, right? Yeah. So he was sentenced in our, at the time, our worst penitentiary, it might still be, a place called Walla Walla. And um, and the the reputation precedes it. Yes. And Ralph Broxis, the man I met with this morning, would volunteer with a bunch of his buddies to go down to Walla Walla. It's about a 
four-hour drive from Seattle, and they would hold AA groups there once a week. So, and and the people in AA came from all walks of life. Our founder was an attorney. He, he had a, a fluent background, but not everyone else did. So when they got back to Seattle, many of the other guys in the AA group didn't have a place to live. So our founder, you know, talked to Ralph and talked to all of his friends, and they put the money up to buy our first house called Pellet Pioneer Fellowship House. And the guys at that time, they didn't have any, they didn't, people wouldn't employ them just like today. Yeah. Right. And so he went to the Boeing company and said, Hey, could we do some work for you? And he got a Boeing contract and that's where the guys worked to pay rent. And then they would have AA at night. So that's how Pioneer started. Wow. One house, one Boeing contract in AA. One man's vision and dream. Wow. And here we are, you know, 58 years later. So tell us all the facets and elements of (laughs) Pioneer Services now, because back then you were just one AA, one contract with Boeing and one Mm -hmm. one, um, uh, in one house. Now, now, now what are you? Well, now we're considerably larger and um, we have an aerospace manufacturing company and we make over a million and a half parts a year, but we, we, we're known for um, our uh, milling, our specialty milling. We have 100,000 square feet of space. You know, the employment there ranges from between 150 to 100, just kind of depending on what's going on right now. Right. right. And, and when you say have, aerospace, uh, you're talking about the products you make. Who who do y'all serve? Do y'all serve a ton of clients or do y'all make stuff for one one mm-hmm. company, one one entity? Yeah. No, we are an aerospace supplier. We're a contractor. And if you're an employee in Pioneer Industries, that's the brand of our manufacturing company, then you're an employee, gotcha. right? We now, 60% of the employees have a background, but that's they awesome. are strictly employees. We don't consider that to be part of a social services arm at all. I mean, it is a company. It stands on its own and um, and it has to deliver profitability. I mean, it's got to compete. Yeah. And we serve in, in, you know, our customers are all the major aerospace manufacturers that you consider. consider. We have um, obviously Boeing in the Pacific Northwest, but we also have Airbus. We have a company called Bombardier. They make smaller planes. Yeah, yeah. SpaceX, we make parts. Wow, that's awesome. um, Yeah. Uh, So the one part that you would know what it is that we made it is the escape hatch assembly. That's that exit row door. Yeah, that's where I always want to sit. Yeah, yeah, we make those. (laughs) uh, But um, that's a little bit of a different process. uh, But we're now, really did, now, did the connection yeah. with Boeing early on, did that just kind of transform into this business? Mm-hmm. Is that how that worked? Yeah, the, that business grew and grew and grew. And then we've added other businesses as time has gone on. Yeah, so tell we, us about those. Yes, we have construct. So today we have construction, we have machining, and then we have a very small food service business. So those are our businesses today. But we've in the past, we, we had at one time dogs that uh, sniffed. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. For, and, and we would, and that was our business and we trained people to handle those dogs and then they'd okay. go in and they would sniff apartments. And yeah. so uh, we've had roofing. So, roofing. you know, we've just had so you, a number of businesses. So you, over. So you've years. had some, you've had some that have worked and which is the ones you have now and some maybe mm-hmm. that you tried that didn't necessarily work. That's right. That's normal. Yeah. That's normal business. That's normal business. Yeah. And then some just kind of uh, the technology changes, right? Yeah. That's kind of happened with dogs and sniffing. So now, you can use wands and things like right. that. So sometimes a business will just retire it yeah. as well. 
So yeah, but that's the business side, that's the social entrepreneur side. So now, yep. now, now, what else do you do? And then we have services, and our services are all throughout the state of Washington, fifty locations. And if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, when it comes to the cycle of someone's journey from how they're living to jail, addiction, lack of housing, right, to kind of, you know, recovery and and right living, Um, whatever the stage that person is, we have a program for that. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, if you think about your hierarchy of needs, you know, we we certainly have a lot of uh, services we offer for the bottom level. Safety, stability, security, housing, that's all of those services at that level. And that's, and that's, you know, all throughout the state. And that's, it can be, we have a sobering center for people because jail involves a lot of addiction. Right. So that's, so we have a lot of addiction services. 80% of people that are in jail have an untreated addiction. So we have to attend to that. And we do that at the different levels of substance use disorder. So for people that are still using, um, we have, you know, sobering, detox and what we call stabilization. And then for people that are ready to begin their sobriety journey, we have long-term residential substance use disorder treatment, and we also have opioid use disorder treatment, and we have co-occurring treatments. We have all those three different types, and those are uh, 60-day residential programs that people enter. And then when they come out of that, then they have to go to the next stage of treatment, and they have to have housing. And once they've entered a certain part of uh, another level of, of their recovery, then they have to learn how to how to go to work, how to be an employee, how to be a good housing tenant, how to be a good family member. And then we have to address those barriers if that person needs that barrier removed. And then they might be ready to work or they're going to need SSI or some type of income support. So depending on where the person is in the journey, what services they, they need, what community we're in, we'll offer some of those services or maybe all of those services, or we'll do it in partnership with another yeah. provider. Um, but the whole goal is that we, that we work with the person as they request, as they want and as they need, because they have yeah. agency and yeah. we try to not judge people, but just work with them. So that's what we do. And that every, every level, you know, we count and measure our results and we're very proud of the work that we do. We think we do good work and needed work and difficult work, but we do it. It's very, it is very difficult and needed. And from what I can tell, you guys are doing a really good job. So you literally fill every gap, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in what we do, there's gaps. We'll do Mm -hmm. some things. And then uh, we partner with other organizations in Dallas who do things that we don't, and they like to collaborate with us because we're, we're doing what they're doing, what they're not doing Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You guys sound like you're doing everything and doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but the person I, I want to just talk about that the individual we're serving may not need every one of those services right, from right. Pioneer. We still have to work with our partners in the community. It's just that we will do our best to string them all together. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably, but you know, we don't have enough. So if our housing is full, then we don't have any housing. So, and we have 700 units of housing and still don't have enough. 
We wow. need triple the amount of housing that we have. Now, are these program, so, is this pro, strictly program housing or are these housing that people can live in after they graduate from program or just, mm-hmm. you know, where they need to live? Mm-hmm. Uh, 80% of our housing, roughly 80% is program. And then 20% is what we call workforce housing. Okay. And then you just live there and rent there and you're um, a tenant. Our program housing tends to be more transitional or temporary or it has a lot of supports with it. We think that's important too, because oftentimes when a person is, uh, you know, when they, when a person is suffering from addiction, they're not making the best decisions at that time in their life and decisions that are outside of our social norms. It doesn't mean that there's not a good person in there. It's just that the drugs are talking. So um, while the drugs are talking, you have to teach the person honesty, social norms, how to treat property, because otherwise uh, they'll leave and they won't be a good tenant for for someone else. And then that doesn't help us and doesn't help them. No, it doesn't. And a lot of these people... You know, uh, and I was one of them. I was an alcoholic for, uh, I'm going on April 9th, was 18 years uh, clean and sober from alcohol. Congratulations. So I'm, I'm, I'm in long-term recovery and I love it and I love helping other people. But for years before that, you know, the neural pathways that I created for myself are what kept me in addiction. And, and until I was able to create new neural pathways, and uh, I, I was going to be there for a long time. And, and that's... That's that's the problem that we see with guys coming out of prison. They haven't untrained some of their bad habits and bad decision making mm-hmm. yet, unlearned them yet, and and so we have to focus in on those. And so, okay, so education classes. What what do you guys offer? The financial literacy, mm-hmm. you know, all those mm-hmm. things. What what do y'all offer? We normally have partners that provide financial literacy, and what we do is we work on the barrier itself. So when we come in, we'll, um, every person that we serve will have some type of assessment depending on where they are on their hierarchy of needs. And that assessment will tell you where they are financially. So what we'll try to do is to work on the barrier itself, right? You know, the credit report, the warrant that hasn't been addressed, yeah. Yeah. driver's license fines, manageable legal and financial obligations, we work on all of those barriers, and then we have banks that are partners that will come and do the financial planning and the teaching yeah. part. So it takes yeah. those two together. Our banks are super supportive of our programs, and they love to work with folks. They just don't necessarily, they're not the most experienced when it comes to helping somebody get an LFO removed. Right. So what right. we try to do is, is to use them where they're really strong, and then we can work on that. We also have a, uh, a public oriented, I guess it's a, it's a legal aid or a law firm. It's called Columbia um, Legal Services. And we have attorneys that will, you know, will support our clients because some have to go to court to get some of their issues resolved. And, and so Columbia Legal Services comes in and helps us, helps us too. So that's all on the financial part. There's a lot. There is just so much in it. And it can be crushing. It can be just the driver, just the driver's license. I don't know about Washington, but just recently in the last year, Governor Abbott signed kind of an executive order that uh, did away with all the fines and surcharges when it came to traffic violations and all that. And that they had a program. I don't know when they installed it 10, 15 years ago. 
And so you started accruing points and every traffic stop you got, you know, accrued points. And then you had to pay all these fines and surcharges. Well, all these guys coming out of prison uh, to forgiven felons, I mean, they had literally five and $10,000 worth of fines yes. and surcharges and they couldn't get their license back. And then the interest, so, right? Yes, it's yes. And, it, and the rates were like usury rates. I yeah. mean, it was like 18% interest. Yes. So we had one Awful. guy, we, we helped him. He saved and he paid probably three or $4,000 worth of surcharges off. And the craziest thing was he'd get it all paid off and he had to have a printout that he was free and clear. And then all of a sudden you get a call from another little small town. Hey, you have a fine that you didn't pay. And it just never quit. But then all of a sudden mm -hmm. this executive order came down and said, as of September 1st, I think it was 2019 or 2020, we're doing away with this program and every fine and surcharge that was associated with this program is forgiven. Mm -hmm. And so now it's a lot easier to help these guys. I think every state should do that mm -hmm. because man, it was, it was horrible. I mean, and the, let's talk about what other barriers, you know, what other barriers do these guys, whether they're coming from prison or a physical prison or whether they're coming from a prison of addiction uh, or any other state of, of being when they come to you, what are some, what are the most common barriers of trying to, of trying to help them get back on their feet? Jail is addiction. I would say is the number one thing that when people start to cycle in jail, they are heavily, heavily impacted by drugs yeah. And and it and it's impacting their everyday life. And so that's what we see with the jail population. With the population that's coming out of prison, the length of prison, so the average that we serve is at least seven years, at least okay. seven years, but some are up to 30. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then if there's if your sentence in our state is commuted, then you have no notice, right? You're just released. Oh wow. So there hasn't, and if you had a long sentence, you didn't get any programming. So in our state, only people, only um, folks that are incarcerated that don't have a life sentence or a very long sentence, they're within like four years of release. They're the only ones that get the programming within the prison. So that means if you, if, and, and so we work with, with um, Innocence Project. We also yeah. partner with people that are applying for commutation and when they're released they haven't had any services mm. and all of a sudden you have cell phones i mean that's such a minor thing to us today but we have folks that have never used a cell phone yeah, they're not quite sure what the internet is they haven't been exposed to computers and then well, they may not have any family members in the area anymore right. or their family members have passed away so they have all this desire that they want to contribute to society, but they don't have any of the skills necessary. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of like yes. what, what I tell some of these guys that we, cause right now we have five guys in our program that have all done 20, 23 years plus, you know, mm -hmm. and I liken the way they get out. If they, and, and Texas is the same way. If you're not within a certain amount of time frame on your sentence, you do not get to go to school. You don't get to go to different things. I had a short-term sentence, five years. So I wasn't allowed to go to any college, any trade schools, any of the stuff. None of that was offered to me because, because I was, I was either too, not long enough or too short. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so it was like, school's great. Trade schools are great. All these programs in prison are great if you have access to them. 
But if you don't, then then what's the use? But these guys coming out of prison that have been locked up 25, 30 years who have not gotten any updated life skills, the two mm-hmm. the two programs in prison, when you make parole, they make you take two programs called life skills and changes. Mm-hmm. And and they don't teach you any life skills and any anything, any update, any changes that have happened out in the world when you when you are ready to leave. And so I liken it to like if I were to hand you a, a bag of ingredients, okay, to make cookies. They're in separate little bags. Uh, so when I hand you the bag, you know, and tell you, all right, here you go. You're getting out of prison. Here you go. And you look in the bag and you can tell that they're ingredients to bake something, but I didn't give you any instructions on how much how much to put in, when to mix it, how to mix it, none of it. So you have some tools, you have a little bit of knowledge of what's supposed to go in this mix, but you have no idea how to mm-hmm. how to mix it, what, uh, what amounts, how long to bake it, none of this stuff. You don't know anything. And that's what I kind of liken sometimes these guys getting out of prison is they have some ingredients, not all, but they don't know what to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but man, I'm telling you, Pioneer Services, I'm really impressed with what y'all do. So let's talk a little bit about our criminal justice system. And what what do you think uh, is one of the, the biggest needs as far as changes in our criminal justice system? And you could start from judicial to prison and jails and parole. <laughs> oh, my God. Everything. I know it's a long list. I know. It's a, I know, I know <laughs> it's one word. Everything. everything. It's, it's, um, you know, I... I think that we need to reorient, reorient our, we have to find forgiveness and love. Eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we don't, we have to move away from using prison as a substitute for implicit bias. So we got, we had, you know, it's like another, in one way, it's an extension of Jim Crow. It's an, in another way, it is we force people to prison because we don't understand what happened in their childhood. Right. People, you know, come to, and this is a social work term, antisocial acts and behavior through different routes. But right. about four of them are kind of consistent. You've got the group, and this is just in my observation, that get there because they didn't like school. They, I mean, it literally, yeah. they just didn't like school and could not sit still. And that's where you see a lot of boys because their family might've been together, you know, middle-class background, but they were the kid that in second grade was getting sent to the principal's office. And the teacher was pointing at them saying, you're going to be, I can see you're going to be a criminal. By fifth grade, they're kind of behind. And then by eighth grade, they're dropping out and getting expelled. Ninth grade, that's when they're either, they're hanging out with either a gang or with kids that are doing drugs. And then the drugs use escalates, right? So you kind of have just what I call the middle-class family, but couldn't sit still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they kind of get caught up. That was kind of me. That was kind of me. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got people that come from an urban environment. I mean, a very difficult environment where you had trauma in childhood, just trauma in childhood from, you know, um, incarcerated parent, addicted parent, just lack of (sighs) skills at parenting. And, you know, that trauma it's is dealt with in a way where crime is normal. Yeah. Then you've got another group that, you know, might be an immigrant or they're coming from you know, bad environment where there might be different norms and then they move here and get caught up and they just 
you know, their affinity is with people that are, you know, that are not following social norms of honesty, you know, lying, cheating, and stealing. And then they, and then they don't have any other ways. So there's some common denominators like poor educational attainment, you know, certainly drugs, empathy, but those routes were all kind of different. And then with women is, you know, looking for love. Right. And then their boyfriend is a gangbanger. Then the other 10% are just, are, you know, just, uh, you know, poor decisions. You know, we even, we, you know, we, we talk about sex crimes in a way that I don't think is realistic because if we, if we just look at drugs in and of themselves, that's kind of in that, right? And then, so then the rest of the 5% are the, the same percentages of people that, we are okay being incarcerated and we'd be more like Europe. So, um, and so I think that, and then you overlay race relations. So where um, you're over-policed and then you get to where we're at today, 2.3 million people incarcerated, Mm. 77 million people that have a felony conviction. One in three African, I mean, you know, African-American men between 25 and 44 have a felony conviction, right? Um, just as many people in college that are black men that are incarcerated today. Mm. You know, I think that there's a lot wrong. I also think that we watch too much law and order. (laughs) Right. Where the bad guy is this horribly bad guy. You know, if, if I were a great writer and good at art, I would develop my own TV show where I would just show, I, I, I would have the TV show just show how the person grew up and then how they were acting at 20, yes. right? So that we could have a more loving feeling towards that person. Yeah. You know, um, you know, crime victims are portrayed as if they want, you know, like the death penalty for every single thing. And we have victims organizations and that's not what they want. They would like some type of retribution, but they also believe in restoration, yeah. And we don't ever acknowledge that. And we as in politicians don't. So right, um, right, yeah. so we have these long, long sentences today that, you know, I was watching a, a show last night. It's a movie called Since I've Been Down. A friend of mine produced it. And she's interviewing a young man who was incarcerated. And he said he wanted to go to jail just so he could be near his father. Oh. He was serving a life sentence. So I think that we have to, you know, have social workers with police officers. We, we still need police officers. We just need police officers who aren't so afraid. Right. And so social workers to help with, you know, to help them when they're in an escalating situation. And then we need non-judicial places to send people. I mean, if a person is clearly under the influence and they're, let's say they're robbing, you know, they're, they're, they're taking a candy bar from 7-Eleven or maybe they're trying to buy cigarettes yeah. with the $20 counterfeit bill. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the answer isn't, you know, to send them to jail. The answer is, okay, why can't you take them to a service right then? Yep, I totally agree. Right? I totally 100% agree. And um, and let's get the person the treatment that they need. So that's what we try to stand for is, is on-demand treatment and behavioral and, and teaching on why people make the decisions they do and then and then focusing their treatment not only on the drug that they're taking, but also what you and I would call right from wrong. I mean, there's yeah. lots of technical 
you know, motivational interviewing and risk need responsivity and all those things. But what you want to do is reduce, you know, poor decisions and reduce poor relationship with drugs and alcohol and increase um, compassion and empathy for other people. You hit the nail on the head. I, I believe that, you know, we've seen guys coming out, I mean, going into prison and seeing them and come through our program, almost every single person, when you connect with them on a relational level and ask them about their childhood, it's incredible. And some of them I'm blown away because some of them I'm like, man, I'm surprised you didn't commit more crimes because Mm -hmm. your childhood was, you're a hero to survive Mm -hmm. what you survived and only do what you did. Exactly. Uh, You know, and, and every sex offender that came through our program, was either physically or sexually abused as mm-hmm. a child, mm-hmm. you know, and we had a guest on uh, early on last year in the podcast, her, she was the ex-wife of Brandon Hutchinson, who was, uh, they were on that Netflix documentary called I am a killer. And they were, mm-hmm. she was talking about that. She said, you know, Brandon ended up dying in prison right, uh, from cancer right after the documentary aired. But she said, when I asked her, I said, what would you change about the criminal justice system? from your standpoint in Missouri, she said, I just wish our correctional systems would dive more into people's childhoods Mm -hmm. and it would help them understand why they are living as an adult, the way they're living, the decisions they're making. And then once you understand, once you make the connection, then the correction can almost happen flawlessly instead of you just trying to beat, beat correction over the head with somebody Mm -hmm. You, if you make the connection first, then they almost correct correct themselves. Because if you say, look, this is maybe why you're acting the way you're acting right now because of what you've been through. So let's mm-hmm. work, let's process that. Most of these guys have never been able to, to process mm-hmm. what happened to them as a child. And they're sure not going to be able to process it in prison mm-hmm. because they will have to show, you know, weakness or whatever. And that, that documentary helped. Brandon processed that because for the first time he was able to tell exactly what happened and what happened in his childhood and why, what happened that night, why he was able to listen to a guy that night when he was 21 years old, tell him to go murder somebody. And he did it Mm -hmm. because of his father figure issues when he was growing up Mm -hmm. and how much he craved. So let's talk about racial disparity in sentencing. I mean, I've, we got guys coming to the house that are doing life sentences for their fifth DWI. Mm-hmm. And and I got five years for my fifth DWI. Mm-hmm. I'm white. One of them is black. One of them is Hispanic. So why did they get life sentences for their fifth DWI? And I only got five years for my five, my fifth DWI. You know, and those are things I don't understand. I can't explain. And when I try to tell people there is a racial disparity in our system, there is a systemic racial injustice in our system. But unless you've been a part of the system in somehow, in some way, it's hard for you to wrap your head around it. And I don't know why it's hard for people to wrap their head around it when someone like me, someone like you is telling them it's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We could talk about it in anything, but but because um, I know you said there's a lot, there's a lot of things wrong with our whole system. And because I work with these guys on parole too, I'm sure y'all see parolees as well and the, the barriers and the issues that 
the ankle monitor system. I don't know what it's like in Washington, but in Texas, the ankle monitor system is worse than prison. And it, it's so prohibitive and it keeps you from, keeps someone from becoming a successful, mm-hmm. you know, productive citizen in society. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, wait. we have, I just wanted, so we have, we operate three halfway houses. They're called re-entry centers today for the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And, you know, Pioneer introduced uh, cell phone technology. So uh, we issue everyone. So first of all, when a person arrives, they have a number, but we always use names. Nice. Right. So even though they're finishing out their um, sentence, we start right away and we just say, you know, Mr. Johnson, I'm so-and-so and, and, um, you know, welcome to Pioneer Fellowship House. Right. But we issue people cell phones and that's how we do our check-ins. And so as long as um, the individual answers the phone when they're supposed to, and then, then they just show their face. Right. So that that it's not inobtrusive, right? Yeah. You know, no one else needs to know that you're checking in. And so that's worked well. The Federal Bureau of Prisons, they, you know, they'll tell us if, if there's someone that they don't, that they still want an ankle monitor, but everyone else, they've really um, been flexible and worked with us on the, on the cell phone technology. And I think that it's now spread to many of the other um, reentry centers. Yeah, uh, that's good. So, uh, so that's so- one good one thing that I'm proud that we, that we kind of ushered in. Yeah. Our state. What's the recidivism rate for Washington? Oh my gosh. If you, so the prison recidivism rate, which is measured by a return to prison, which is a sentence that's a year and a day is a uh, 33% King County jail. So I'm in the city of Seattle right now. Well, I live right outside Seattle and then the, the County that Seattle resides in is King County and King County Jail has a recidivism rate. Now, they count it as a return to jail, is 50%. Mm. So when I talk about drugs, they're significant. So when we measure the success of our employment programs, we have some programs we measure with recidivism. We have two types. We have a, a felony drug court diversion programs, and then we also have our um, employment programs. We measure, we measure recidivism as a rearrest. Right. Jail yeah. or, and we have a 96% arrest rate with our employment programs. And then our felony drug court diversion programs, our, our success rate is 89%. Right. So these so, are success rates. So that 96 is a success rate, not, not real. The recidivism rate. rate is four yeah. is 4%. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, but 96 so good. And, uh, and 88. Yeah. So people can change. Yeah. And I tell folks, I, and I, and so I tell people those statistics and they're like, what? Are you sure? I'm like, yes, I work here. I'm sure. And then the next question is, well, then why don't we do that more? And that's how you say, well, because we are a society that would rather punish yeah. than help. We'd but rather yes. correct than, than yes. connect. Yes. And, and even the, even the con- correction is not, I don't care. I can't speak for Washington, but the state of Texas, I mean, our prisons, there's not much correction in them. Mm-hmm. No. You know, and all, yes. all the all the stuff that's coming in that's good to the Texas prison systems are done by volunteers bringing their own programs mm-hmm. in. You take away all those people, which COVID has done, and there has been zero corrective rehabilitative mm-hmm. element in our prisons in the last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it has caused a ton of issues. 
with, mm-hmm. with people's emotional states, depression's up, fights are up, so many things wrong. And, uh, and that's, that's what you would have if you took away all these volunteers that would come into these prisons and, and, um, you know, and are the reason why these guys, some of these yeah. guys get out and stay out. So mm-hmm. what's, what's, what's the biggest challenge for Pioneer Human Services? Oh my gosh. Funding. Yeah. Okay. Because if we had, because if we had more funding, we could help people. I mean, we could buy another apartment building. I mean, um, I mean, most of our programs don't even do, don't even bother with waiting lists because it's just too, there's just too many. Right. So um, we have a lot of government contracts, but those are very siloed. Right. And it will right. say, okay, we're going to give you this stream of funds to do this one particular activity. And so we have to either raise money through philanthropy or use the profits from Pioneer Industries to connect all of those together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in Pioneer Industries, if we if we pull too much money out, then they're not successful, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's manufacturing. You have to buy new equipment every year, and their equipment is oh, the maintenance and the, oh. and the new equipment and the maintenance on the existing equipment is is, is crazy. Yeah, every new piece of equipment is a million bucks. Real quick, let me ask you this. So your construction industry, is -hmm. that just general contracting stuff or do y'all have, um, you know, do y'all have your own programs where you like flip flip houses or Mm -hmm. flip apartment complexes or Mm -hmm. what, what does the construction company do? It's two things. It's, it's general con it's general contracting and then it's, maintaining and doing the work on our own buildings because we have so many buildings. So, um, and I would say maybe 70% of the folks that are in our facilities division um, would are formerly incarcerated and they may have even come through pioneer. It's those two things for our construction company. Now what's a livable wage in Washington state and how do y'all's wages compare to what a Mm -hmm. livable wage is? Well, our livable wage it depends on family size. So that's how it's calculated in our, in our state. Okay. But, um, you know, I would say you want to be up at about 20, $22 an hour, maybe right around there. Now in our industries, our average salaries are right there. So our average okay. salary in industries is about 50,000 a year. So, and we have, you know, apartments people can live in, yeah, right? Yeah. And then until they income out, services has a lower average wage because services are paid less, right. which is sad, but people love the work that they do. And so they, but when you go into social work, you know, it's, it's lower. Pay. Yeah, absolutely. It's more of a yeah. calling. It's a calling mm-hmm. than a, than, than yeah. a career, mm-hmm. even though it, your calling is your career. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much. Um, so mm-hmm. you guys are on um, social media? That's right. Um, so our website is pioneerhumanservices.org. Please go to our website to anyone who's listening and just take a look at all the services that we provide. Um, we also have a mass incarceration quiz we'd love for you to take just to sensitize you to all these issues Jay and I have been talking about. Yeah. That one is pioneerhumanservices.org forward slash quiz. And we'll have, we'll have all these links on the show page. Okay. So when they, when they listen to the podcast, they can click our show page, go to the show page, see pictures, um, and, uh, and see all the links, Mm -hmm. all the social media links and the quiz link. Mm -hmm. I I haven't taken the quiz, so I'm I'm Mm -hmm. excited. Take the quiz, play, you know, look at all our success stories. I'm just, all those success stories that you see are people that I know and I've seen grow and, 
And it just, it just will fill my heart that if you just look at the story and how, and their life, I mean, I know we serve 10,000 people a year and we have maybe a hundred stories on our website, but each of those stories are just incredible people. So I'd love for you to, to know about them. And then you could also follow me. I have, I'm on LinkedIn and I tweet and, um, and so, and I try to friend people if they, if, if you ask, so, uh, would love now, are you, for you. You're just on yes. LinkedIn and LinkedIn and Twitter, LinkedIn and Twitter. Okay. And, and then the company is LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, they're gotcha. everything. And, uh, what's so, in store for the future for Pioneer Human? Any, anything big in the works, anything coming or? Yes. It's always something. So advocacy, which we didn't, so Jay, you have to invite me back. I will. I, we will definitely okay, do part please. two and talk about um, uh, some other stuff. So advocacy, it, we are trying to um, have Washington become the first state that has, not the first, but the most progressive anti-housing discrimination law in the country. So we are supporting the Housing Justice Coalition. And so far, the city of Seattle has um, passed that law. It's in uh, it. Basically, it, it just it's against the law to say no felons can apply. Oh. Thank you. Just they just don't have that, and um, oh. and of course it's being challenged. But so far, oh, the law has held up. So we want we we believe everybody should have a place to live, and that it should be divorced from whether or not you've ever made a mistake in your life. I mean, the two have nothing to do with each other. They really don't, right? And when a person's sentence ends, their sentence ends, and so we are going to work really hard to to take our. Um, our housing justice campaign statewide and have the same benefits inside Seattle all throughout this, the state of wow. Washington. It's oh, going to be great. So um, we know it'll take a lot of work. We know that there are people that are hard hearted. Oh yeah. But we are going to do agree. our best. Yeah. We just pray for them and push forward. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we will send everybody to your links and your website and taking the quiz it's uh, it's been an honor to talk with you. And yes, you uh, what I've what I've done is sometimes I'll have a guest on and we'll talk about what they do, and then mm-hmm. I'll have them back on at a later date, and we just talk about topics. Yes. And uh, and so we'll have you back on because because uh, you're a fun guest, and and I, I appreciate I appreciate what you do. How long have you been at Pioneer Services? Pioneer I've been Services? at Pioneer for ten years, and. Okay. Um, I appreciate everything that you're doing and um, your shirt. You you all can't see his shirt, but it says, keep calm. I'm a forgiven felon. And, and, you know, um, and maybe we should invite you out to the Northwest to come see us or, I would you know, that. you and I do a series of podcasts together. I mean, just, you know, our future is whatever we want to make it. Absolutely. But um, you do amazing work too. And um, we, you know, all of us at Pioneer appreciate what you do in Texas because Texas is a hard state. Oh, and you're, believe and me. you're doing some things. You, 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 when you, when you said some people have hard hearts, uh, that's uh, a lot of people in Texas. So, so yeah, it's, uh, but we got some things in the work too. We got some, we got some lawyers and people that are about to run for some office that have come to me and some other organizations in Dallas that have said, I'm going to run for office. And we, we want to push for, for changes in legislation with criminal justice and all that. We want you to be by our side to help us figure out what changes need to be made. So we're mm-hmm. excited. And um, I've been out 15 years. April 18th was my 13-year wedding anniversary, but my 15-year anniversary of being released from prison. 
Wow. So, man, you know, it, it's a, it was a great day. April 18th has been a great day for me. But, you know, I, I know, and, the, and what everything I have, I know guys can get more than me, pass me up. But that was my goal was to, when I was in prison, two guys were mentoring me and they got out and I was excited. They're going to go change the world. But within a year, I hadn't even made parole yet. Within a year, they were both back in prison. And that motivated me, but it ticked me off a little bit too. I'm mm-hmm. like, because I know their hearts were right. I know they, they their minds were right. So what happened on the outside? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, they got to take responsibility for their decisions. But at the same time, what kind of support did they have or not have? What kind of mm-hmm. support from parole? And now that I've worked with parole, I've been on parole and I've worked with them. Parole in Texas is not rehabilitative. What? No, they're out to get ever. you. Yes, they are out to get you. Ooh. They want to see you stumble. And and so. the more the more I dig in, and we can talk about this on uh, on on part two when you come back on at a different time. The more I get into it, the more I realize how much it's about the money. And I hate to say it because I believe there's some good people that work in parole and the in the judicial system and corrections. But at, at the heart of, of what all keeps that going is a business. And their whole goal is to create repeat clientele for, for their business. And the judicial system helps keep customers in prison. Uh, the, the parole system helps keep customers in prison. And the customers in prison are the ones that buy commissary. They pay for phone calls, video visitation. They pay for all these things that third-party vendors are charging and giving kickbacks to our state. And, you know, even the ankle monitors, that's a little bit about the money too. Uh, but it's, it's, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you more about, you know, different topics, but, uh, but thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you for what all you do at Pioneer Services, Pioneer Human Services and how long you've been doing it. And I'm excited for the future and I can't wait to keep up and I would love to come out, um, okay. I'd love to come out there sometime and just see what y'all do, tour the facilities and, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, share my story with some people, maybe some groups mm-hmm. and stuff and, and, uh, and hang out with y'all a little bit. We'll do it. And then I don't know if, uh, uh, what's his name from Treehouse Masters, Pete Nelson. <laughs> There's a show called Treehouse Masters and they're from Seattle, Washington. And I love the tree houses that they make. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's not why I'd come out there, but you know, since I'm out there, I might as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, it's great to have you on the show and, uh, thank mm-hmm. you again for all you do and your heart. You can, you can feel your heart and, and your compassion for this demographic. And I want to thank you so much for all, all the work that you do. Oh, I appreciate it. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye, Jay. All right. Bye. Okay. Well, that's, man, everything we talked about, that's a lot to unpack, but I'm excited anyway to talk a little bit about it and then we'll just wrap it up. Uh, because it was such a great interview. I don't want to ruin it with a bunch of rambling and babbling. But listen, first thing I want to say is if you want to take the mass incarceration quiz, then go to the show page, forgivenfelons.org forward slash background check. Go there and click on the link, mass uh, incarceration quiz, and test your knowledge. Uh, Listen, all you got to do is put your email in. You can click on the box that says, I don't want to receive any emails from this organization it's safe it's no big deal but there's five questions it's not a long test or quiz that long it's just five questions and i thought i knew a lot about mass incarceration but i only got one correct out of the five so see if you can do better than me go to um 
go go to forgivenfellows.org and then click on the background check podcast page and there's all the show notes and all the links that um, that will allow you to see what Pioneer Human Services does from their website. Their website's incredible. Um, it's what we want to be when, when, when we grow up, Forgiven Felons. It's what we're striving for. I'm so honored to have her on the show because, because um, that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. I'm so glad that they do what they do, that back in the 60s it all started with just a man and a heart to see somebody get a second chance. And now it's grown into this large organization that has treatment, housing, industry, and it's incredible. And that's, it gives me hope to know that we can, we can do that. We can do this too. So, um, but man, I just want to, I just want to thank Karen for coming on the show because it was an honor. It was an honor to talk uh, criminal justice with her. It was an honor to talk about what they do, how they help and, and all the good they're doing not just in their community, but in the whole state of Washington. So again, pioneerhumanservices.org is the website, but that link is also on the show page. There's some more pictures of Karen and, and uh, I think some pictures of her in the manufacturing plant working on a part. So uh, go to the website, check it out, and also go to the website to look at our current plans to see if, to see if you want to help in any way. But thanks again for listening. I appreciate you so much. For taking the time to listen um, if you haven't heard we cracked the 200 again on apple so that's pretty cool um and we've already we're on the we're on the verge of doing our third month with over a thousand downloads so we're coming up on a year anniversary um which is it's more than 50 we, this is our 52nd episode but we launched three at one time last last year so but uh, if, if you've been listening to it all this time, thank you so much. We appreciate your listenership, and we ask that you spread the word. And if you're listening on Apple, leave a review. Hopefully all these other platforms will allow you to leave a review at some point. But give us a rating. Give us a review, not because we're trying to pat ourselves on the back, but it just allows the show to get more exposure. So uh, spread the word. Thank you so much once again for our guest. Uh, Pioneer Human Services. I can't wait to travel to Washington to see it firsthand. Can't wait to have her back on the show where we can talk about some more topics. But right now, let's lift Karen and Pioneer Human Services up in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for Pioneer Human Services. We thank you that their leader for 10 years, Karen Lee, is just doing an awesome job. We just asked, Lord, you heard her. She said she said the way people can get involved is is helping to donate. And, and that's, that was also her biggest obstacle. So, Lord, we just ask that everyone who can that's listening right now will go to pioneerhumanservices.org and make a donation and somehow uh, be able to sow a seed into this awesome organization. Lord, we, we ask for open doors. We ask for obstacles to be moved out of the way. We ask for funding. We ask for those industries to thrive in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we, we ask you to... Help us to help hold Karen Lee and all her leaders' arms up. We know sometimes that, that doing this type of work can be draining emotionally, physically, and mentally. We just give, we ask you to give them strength. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons. 
helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J. Dan Gum, and this has been Background Check.